Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. I can already tell you I am in a strange mood, but we're joined by a full roster today. Um, so yeah, first time in a while, gents, that we've started with one. Uh, we're joined by Mr. David Grant. Dave, how are we doing? Uh, top of the morning to you. Top uh, of the morning to you. Just to play on the some Paris day that we've caught on. Not too bad, sir. How are you? Oh, it's just a strange move, mate. Other than that, I'm, I'm all right. Well, we know about the strange move. I'm just, you know, making sure you're all right. And all that. Making sure people know now, so they go into this however many hour long podcast, knowing full well what is gonna what's, what's gonna happen. And if we don't know what to expect, so you know, God knows they'll not know what to expect. But uh, hope you've uh, recovered from uh, the weekend's activities. I have, I have. Um, certainly Friday's activities. That was the heavy one, but uh, but yeah. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, we're also joined by Mr. Andy Stafford. Andy, how are we doing, mate? Hello, Joe. Uh, I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, hope everyone's doing well, and uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Be a happy St. Patrick's Day for a lot of Belfast fans, I imagine, today. And uh, last but not least, we're joined by the toothless wonder, that is Mr. Gareth Dutton. Gareth, how are you? I'm pretty well, thank you, Joe. How about yourself? I have a day off tomorrow, Gareth, so I am absolutely perfect right now. Yes, you are very welcome. Wrong okay, no. podcast. There, thank you. Wait, wait, I, I thought, thought no one was going to say it. Was it worth it? Oh, start as with me to go on, Jen. Start as with me to go on. <laughs> so, hockey. Um, I've got two weeks worth of fixtures to read through now, and I'm really not confident in doing that right now. So uh, we'll see how it's going on. Um, but anyway, Friday the 11th. Uh, no, hold on. Mm-hmm. That's a great start. Yeah, what a start. It actually was Friday the 11th as well. Um, no, it can't be. Oh, I'm losing my mind here, boys. It's the 4th, weren't it? Sorry, I've gone a week ahead already. Friday the 4th, Belfast Giants beat the Guildford Flames 6-2 in Belfast. Uh, on Saturday the 5th, the Blaze beat the Devils 3-0 in Coventry. The Steelers lost out 5-4 in a shootout to Dundee. The Storm beat the Panthers 7-4 at home. Uh, the Giants beat the Flames 5-1 at home. And the Glasgow clan beat the Five Flyers 5-2 in Glasgow. Uh, Sunday the 6th, the Panthers beat the Storm 5-2 in Nottingham. The Cardiff Devils beat Glasgow clan 3-1. The Dundee Stars beat the Steelers 2-1 in overtime in Dundee. Uh, the Flames beat the Giants. No, the Flames lost to the Giants 4-3 in Guildford. Um, the Flyers beat the Blaze 3-2 in overtime. Uh, Wednesday, the 9th of March, we had Dundee beating the Cardiff Devils 5-3 in Dundee. The Blaze beat the Glasgow clan in a, a, a whopping 8-1 victory in Coventry. Uh, and the Five Flyers lost out 4-3 in overtime to the Nottingham Panthers. Then on Friday, the 11th, uh, the Steelers lost 5-1 to the Belfast Giants in Belfast. Uh, Saturday the 12th, the Glasgow clan beat the Dundee Stars 4-3 in Glasgow. The Blaze lost out 5-1 at home to the Guildford Flames. Uh, The Giants lost to the Steelers in the second leg of the doubleheader 5-2. Manchester Storm lost 3-0 to the Five Flyers at home. Uh, Sunday the 13th, we had the Dundee Stars beating the Glasgow clan 6-3 in Dundee. The Cardiff Devils beat the Blaze 3-0 in Cardiff. Flames beat the Panthers 5-4 in overtime in Guildford. And the Flyers lost out 5-4 in overtime in Fife to the Manchester Storm. Uh, last league game uh, was Wednesday the 16th. The Blaze lost out 2-1 in a shootout to the Storm in Coventry uh, in the game that may have gone ahead on Saturday, may have gone ahead on Wednesday. Who knows? Um, and last but not least, the Challenge Cup final, of course. Challenge Cup. 
Challenge Cup, not Continental. Um, the Belfast Giants came back from a 2-0 deficit to beat the Cardiff Devils 3-2 in overtime in Belfast. That was a long one, boys. Uh, highlights. I'm going to go with the Scottish Derby. Dundee v Glasgow. Um, no one understood why this ended up being on TV, but it ended up being a, a good viewing. Um, I must admit, I didn't watch it because I was... Uh, I'd got home and got fast asleep. But uh, back and forth game, first two periods. Um, O'Brien, Combs and Ozzels for Dundee. Yellowhorn and Schmier make it 3-2 after two. And then Dundee kind of got a fair few power plays and converted. Ozzels again, Dijardin and Haas, of all people. Um, with Gaffier uh, scoring for Glasgow, I think that was their power play goal. Um but overshadowed by the end of the game with a lot of unhappy Glasgow players uh, taking their displeasure out on the referees, including uh, Malcolm Cameron. Um, with, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it a bit more later on, but one of probably the most bizarre quotes you'll ever hear in an interview. And we thought Unicycles was going to top it this year. No, he's just going to say, hold my bear, and he's raised the bar. Um, but yeah, a good win for Dundee. Bizarrely, they could now finish fourth. If results go their way, they could end up home advantage in the playoffs. I don't think anyone in this podcast or anybody listening would have actually thought Dundee would have had even a chance of mind potentially having home advantage in the playoffs. So, do you know what? Pash are doing their good things in Dundee and, and congratulations to them. Good two points for him. I uh, I just put my apologies out to the Dundee fans. Apparently, I upset some of them on a t- with a tweet oh, you after. Did. Uh, <laughs> you did upset them. I, I referred to Ooh. them as a low-level team, um, which at the time they were about seventh in the league and thirty points behind us. So I didn't think that was unfair, but um, my tweet was more aimed at the performance from the Steelers. But apparently, it got under the skin of some Dundee fans. So I will put my formal apologies out there. Um, yeah. Oh well. Sorry, not sorry. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'll go with the Manchester v Nottingham game on the 5th and the 3rd. 7-4 win for Manchester, which didn't look like it was going to happen when 46 seconds into the game, Nottingham were 2-0 up. I was still there thinking, this is going to be a long night. But no. Dallas Earhart scores in a power play, because we all know how much we look Everyone loves Dallas. Simmons scores a power play as well in the second period. Brings the game to 2-0. Two, Ollie Betteridge gets one back to make it 3-2. And it's that man again, Dallas Earhart, with another power play goal. Going into he, the... Did he fall job. over? He didn't, actually. That's probably one of his best games that he's had this season. That's a highlight. Definitely. It's a highlight of a highlight. It's like Inception. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, third period comes. Panthers get another goal. And then the onslaught happens. Storm get four goals in the last, what, eight minutes or so. One of them being from a Brit, a young Brit as well, Finley Ulrich. Scores a nice goal for the right-hand side 
to which we thought, how on earth is he sniped that in that corner from that angle? And obviously the last goal was an empty net goal from Jared Van Werber, took his second goal of the night. Personally, I think that was just a, a great battle. Points we definitely needed. Points Panthers would have definitely wanted. Yeah. Do you love to see those games? I'm going to go uh, from the 9th of March, uh, the Dundee Stars and Cardiff Devils game, uh, where Dundee beat Cardiff five goals to three. Um, two goals early on in the period for Dundee from um, uh, Desjardins, and then a power play strike from Riley Brandt for Cardiff, making it 2-1. In the second period, we had Charlie Combs making it 3-1, and then Richardson Nansen back on the power play. Uh, to make it 3-2. In the third period, we had Spencer Dorowitz, also on the power play scoring, uh, answer back from Trevor Cox, and a final goal, uh, it was an, um, not an internet, but a normal goal from uh, Philippe Sanch. Um, I just wanted to point this one out, really, because uh, this is the third game that uh, backup Brithon Priest has had his third start in this game. Uh, obviously, two wins against Stills before that. And um, yeah, just just, just want to highlight uh, Priest's performance uh, as a recent. I think it's been fantastic. You know, first first professional start, and then as soon as we know, you got three in a row, and you got three wins in those. So credit to him uh, and to everyone who, who, who basically just rallied around him in, in front. Uh, massive credit to Dundee. Dundee are on a very massive roll at the moment, uh, looking very strong. Uh, and um, apparently this league isn't a development league, so I just wanted to raise that, but uh, well done to Brav and Priest. Some very passive-aggressive comments already in this one, isn't there? Um, <laughs> my uh, my game is the Coventry Blaze against the Glasgow Clan on the 9th of March. Um, surprisingly, well, it took 7 minutes 32 for the first goal to go in, which was quite surprising given the final score. Uh, power play goal for Coventry through uh, Yane Kivalati. Um, and then we went at 12.34, it went to 2-0 through Yane Larkinen, um, 3-0 at 13.33 in the first through Ryan Penny, uh, and then 4-0 uh, through Yane Kivalati again at 18.42. That was all in the first period. Uh, second period looks relatively uneventful. Uh, fifth goal for Coventry scored by Luke Ferrara at 24.18. Uh, and then a sixth goal scored by Ryan Penny again uh, at 30.43. Uh, and then we go into the third period, uh, Coventry again, 7-0, uh, John Curran, 42-21, uh, and then 8-0, Mitch Cook, uh, 45-54. Uh, that was it for the scoring for the Coventry Blaze. Uh, just when you think Glasgow are completely down and out, strangely managed to score with 3 minutes 39 left on the clock uh, through Colton Yellowhorn, the man whose name we all love. Um, and yeah, that was about that. I mean, there's a fight with 20, 23 seconds left on the clock, so both players got kicked out of that, presumably for being an aggressor in the last two minutes. Um, strangely, I mean, one thing I've noticed about this game, 8-1 win for Coventry. Glasgow outshot them. Shots on goal were 26-23. So there were only 15 saves made by Glasgow netminders in that game. Um, but yeah, Interesting game. I remember following this. My flash goals thought it was going to have a meltdown because it was just buzzing every five seconds. Um, but yeah, I, I remember the surprise in fairness seeing that Glasgow had scored 
uh, and scoring the final goal. But I, I imagine if you're a commentary fan, at least, uh, and obviously it was in the Sky Dome, uh, a very entertaining game to watch, I imagine. Uh, anything else on highlights over the last two weeks, gents? I don't know. Were all our games in the last... I don't know. Anyway, never mind. Um, airport section, next. Um, we've had a couple of sign-ins. Let me just get that up. Because I wasn't ready. I didn't have it on the right page. Um, so we've got three sign-ins. So I'm presuming we're going to go through all of those, gents, given that they're all sign-ins and that there's only three of them. Uh, we've got Connor Chalk from the University of Regina uh, to, or Regina, to Coventry Blaze. Uh, Patrick Mullen from No Team to the Belfast Giants and Turner Ripplinger from the University of Regina again to the Guildford Flames. Uh, start with Connor Chalk. Pause for everybody to open Elite Prospects like I'm doing right now. We need some lift music to, to fill in the gap. Something like that. Um, looks... He ha- he's had a decent season this year. Um, I'm, I'm, the guy was a, got, was a little bit confused with his, fix, his, his stats, but this year he's had a, a good year uh, for U Sports uh, with Regina, you know, nine plus eight in seventeen games. Um, and um, you know, it was, I suppose it's a potentially a good acquisition um, to give the Blaze that depth um, in the scoring. Uh, he, he's not. Uh, apart from under 18 treble A level, he's not had um, a prolific season. But like I said, this year he's had you know you know a very decent one uh, point a game and uh, more goals and assists. So I think this is going to be a sign that's going to give them the depth. Um, I say that I say the following without disrespect. It's not the quality that other teams have, but it's giving a good cover through that depth which they could. Give their top line just a, a bit more a breathe and a bit more gumption to get them into the uh, the playoffs. And from there, you, they roll the dice. Uh, but a, a, a decent signing nonetheless for the Coventry Blaze. Yeah, looking at his stats, they don't really scream top caliber player, but. For a Danny Stewart type team, he could actually be one of the best diamonds in the rough when we see him play. He's played 59 games in total in the U Sports League. He's got 37 points. For a sentiment, that's pretty decent. With a 81 penalty miss as well. So, from the looks of it, it looks like he can get stuck into things. So, I'm going to guess... It's probably one of those sentiment that he will back up his teammates. He will be there to be like, you ain't touching my teammate as such. Because they lost out on that type of player in David Brawl when he's gone. So hopefully, for the Blaze, I'm guessing they're going to, hopefully, he's going to be the person that helps them push over that line. I mean, so far he's played six games. He's only got one point, and he's a minus three at the moment. So you might put that down to just being, just getting used to this league over here. Maybe a few more games as his belt, and he can pull some out of the bag. So they'd hope anyway. 
Chalk has a very decent point uh, production rate through his time uh, in the West Hockey League uh, and parts of uh, his uh, his time with the University of Regina. Uh, one thing in particular that has stuck out uh, for me is obviously his penalty minutes. Um, it's quite a prolific penalty uh, taker. Uh, could be a bit of a problem for Tim like Coventry. Uh, you don't want to find yourselves on on the uh, penalty kill. Uh, a lot because of one guy, but um, so far he's been pretty disciplined in his six games. Uh, I get, again, a, a minus three. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not too bad. But in six games, could do with a bit of, uh, bit of improvement. Overall, uh, doesn't look too bad a pickup. Maybe um, someone who could just grind games out and uh, play that bottom fourth line. Uh, just give him, just, just give his teammates a bit of a lift, maybe. Uh, but um, I think we'll have to see more of him to make a full a full judgment of him. But it's um, not the best and it's not the worst signing. Uh, but I think um, Coventry found someone that can at least uh, do a job for what they're wanting to do. Well, honestly, if I was going to if I was going to find a word to summarise the signing, it'd be underwhelming. And that's that's no disrespect intended. But in terms of his stats, the guy's a sentiment coming out of the U Sports League. You know, he's not got the best point production. He's not got the worst point production. So it, it's not a bad signing, but it's not a signing that you look at and go, this guy's going to light the lamp. This guy's going to be really, really useful to us in, in you know, the final stretch. Um, but then again, is that the worst kind of signing to make at this point? You know, we, we, we've spoken a couple of weeks ago in terms of signings that you make that have come out of the KHL, signings that you make that have played, played NHL, AHL games. And there's disappointment there. You know, whereas this guy's coming in, there's no expectation on him. He's coming into a Coventry team that are looking to try and just climb the climb table as much as they can. You know, this guy could easily do that. He's played, obviously, like you say, Andy, he's played, you know, the West, West Hockey League. Calgary Hitmen, team with a great jersey. Um, you know, his point production's not bad. And that, that's, you know, as I say, there's no disrespect intended to him. His point production's not bad. It's just not the kind of signing necessarily that you would get excited for. But again, I, I look down the line, look at the past at, uh, at signings that Steelers have made. And the first one that always comes to my mind when I think about signings similar to this is people like Andreas Baldix, who came into the Steelers with minimal point production and really, really came in and, and, and lit the team on fire. And you know, he was a, a critical part of our team for the time that he was there. So there's no reason that this can't be the same for, uh, for Connor Chalk. Uh, like you say, one, one point in six games. He's obviously got to find his feet in this league. He's obviously got to find his feet after coming in and, and playing a fair few games in quick succession. Um, so let's see how this goes. But um, yeah, not a bad signing. As I say, underwhelming, but not in a, not necessarily in a bad sense in, in terms of there's a lot of potential there. He's 24 years old. We've spoken over and over and over again about the amount of times that we've we've changed from being a retirement league to a, to a stepping stone or you know having that potential for development. And... You know, this is the kind of signing again that shows that. And the great thing is, at this stage of the season, the amount of signings that we're seeing that are 23, 24, 25 years old, it's a great sign for the league. It's a great sign for the Blaze. All of these types of players, if they come in and make a mark, they come in and make an impression. They're the types of players that you want to be playing for you for the next four or five years, if he has that potential and if he comes in and makes that mark. If he doesn't, we've not really lost out on a great deal. So a good punt to take for them as well. Um, 
reading what Danny Stewart has said, he said Connor will be an important piece down the stretch. I feel like down the stretch is a very uh, key word to use in, uh, in interviews at this stage of the season. Um, he's a natural centre that plays the game both ways. He's got good size, skill, and will help us be stronger up the middle. He's been a captain in his career and comes with great character. Adding another guy was crucial for a gruelling finish over the next six weeks. So obviously address the issue as well that we have in the league at the moment, which is a large proportion of teams playing three games a week. And obviously that is going to be huge to have an extra body to, to help out with that as well. Uh, anything else on Connor Chalk, gents, or are we good to move to the next signing? Good to move to the next one. Sound. So the next signing, it was the one that we briefly touched on uh, last episode, but when I say briefly, that was because we didn't actually know who it was. We just know that there was a signing. Uh, Patrick Mullen has come out of retirement, I believe, to sign back for the Belfast Giants. Uh, throw it straight over to you, gents. What do we think of this one? Don't all jump at once. I'll, I'll jump on this one. It's coming out of re- there, there was like a big build up for this. And obviously, people were rumouring that it was like Blair Riley or something like that. And then obviously, he announced it as Patrick Mullen. Some people would have thought, okay, that's the big hype for an okay player. But then, we look at his time last time for Belfast. 20 points in 30 games. That was quite decent. He's definitely going to be one of the players where they're going to rely on him when it comes to the playoffs. Can definitely be relying on him the next 10 games or so. Considering there's, what, two points between yourselves and them. So it's going to be a good battle, especially when it's going to be, what, three games a week for some teams? Especially if players got carried an injury, it's going to be like, yeah, you can set out, we're going to need you at a later stage, we've got someone here. So I think it's a smart signing for them. They've got an experienced player, a guy that's got AHL experience. KHL experience, SHL, DEL, EBEL. It's, for me, it's, at this stage of the season, I still say it's a great signing. It's someone that's going to be a dependable body that they can rely on. Apologies for that. I didn't have jumped in, but the laptop side to a player. But also, I felt Griff was going through all the letters of the alphabet then. Um, with some of the leagues you think, played in. You would have thought it. <laughs> I did think it looked like you froze, Dave. That's why I was trying to put yeah, no, something I else to say. Like, it's like, come on, work. Okay, no. Um, basically, what, what Griff said. Um, but the one that stood, stands out for me from his previous team in the, the COVID-cancelled season, he was a plus eight um, on a team that, wasn't the best defensively overall. Memory says right that season. That's that, they they are pretty good stats. So as signings at this time of the year goes, that gives Belfast depth that is probably only matched by one team. Um, but like I say, you know KHL, SHL, EBL, uh, and I think he won the. Uh, the EBL with Vienna, uh, given his games in the playoffs. So, 
very good pickup. Uh, I know of a lot of the talk was Blair Riley. Uh, I know a friend of ours who will will name drop in his show. We we'll talk about the Belfast weekend. He was uh, he was pretty disappointed that uh, it was him. He thought you know which should be exciting signing. This isn't exciting. So excited even, but actually, it's it gives Belfast solid structure it, as a player because you know like like Griff said, any of the guys come down injured. You're not relying on your third, fourth line type player. You got someone just to step in, you know, first, second liner. Uh, okay, he hadn't played last year, um, so yeah, he's probably, or you'd hope, or you'd like to think he's been skated. So his uh, game fitness is okay, and the match fitness will come along as and when he plays. Um, but no, it's not the one that excites. It's not the one that. Gets the gold and the assist, but I tell you something, it's the type of signing that wins titles. And that's what Belfast are after. So I think this is a very shrewd move from uh, Adam Keefe. Certainly not one of the players that we were expecting uh, to come to Belfast and then back to Belfast. Um, yeah, uh, pretty much two years now that he's not really played. Um, so it's, it's going to be difficult to tell uh, until we see him play uh, how much that has affected him. When it, I know we uh, we see Matthew War for for um, Glasgow. He, he didn't play for quite a while, uh, but he's uh, probably having one of his best seasons in, in a long time. Uh, so uh, you never really know until uh, you first see him play. But um, one thing for me that uh, summarises this perfectly is his description on elite prospects. A two-way defenseman, Mullen plays a well-rounded game. He can deliver crisp passes and owns a fine shot, skates well. His size obviously hurts him in put battles and along the boards. Isn't a physical player at all. But there's plenty of players on that team that can do that job anyway. Uh, but for me, a two-way defenseman, uh, a guy who can read the game well, deliver crisp passes, has a fine shot, skates well. What else for somebody you really need? Uh, this could definitely be, again, a player that is needed down, down the stretch. I mean, Belfast already have uh, the, the the least goals against in the league with 83. Uh, so that again, it's another signing that they've really not got anything to lose, uh, no matter what his um, how different he is compared to last time. Uh, but again, I could just see him being a guy that could not just shut plays down. But he can also find that uh, really, really tough pass and also uh, deliver that sort of cannon of a shot to hopefully someone's green in front of goal. And in the playoffs, when the games get even more difficult, that is definitely uh, something teams will use more. So a very, very smart signing for them. Uh, just the obvious fact is that he's not played for a while, but whether that affects him or not, we'll just have to wait and see, wait and see if it has or not. But overall, this is, a, this, this is very, very good. Yeah, look, Blair Riley would have been a great signing in Belfast. Let's, let's not. We'll call a spade a spade. But Belfast aren't a team that are lacking in offence right now. You know, they've got Scott Conway, JJ Pickenich, Mark Cooper, Dave Goodwin, Ben Lake, and that's just to name a few. Um, and we've seen them run away with games in terms of goals. Uh, I mean, the Friday game against Sheffield, just, just to name one. You're competing against Sheffield... Primarily for the title. They've got two games against Sheffield on the 9th and 10th of April. And they don't need a lot of offence to be brought in. So to bring in a strong defenceman 
to really step it up at the back it's not a bad thing and actually this might be more effective than if they'd have signed Blair Riley because what they need to do is they need to shut Sheffield down when they're playing those two games in April you know that's 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 a big thing for them they, I, I no doubt that the league is going to be decided in that weekend and we've spoken before about the speed that Sheffield have we know that that's 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 not a secret I know that when we were in Belfast Joe um commented on the fact that I'd said before that Martin Latal is the quickest player in the league and she disagreed with that. Even if you disagree with that, there's no dispute in that he's got some serious speed. And then you look at some other players on the Steelers roster, they're packing some good speed offensively. And that's not to say Belfast aren't either, but the key thing for stopping the offence in Sheffield is to shut that speed down and to shut them down at the back. So this is a great sign in that respect. Now I appreciate that their thoughts aren't just on the games against Sheffield but they have to think about the bigger picture in terms of the run into the end of the season and bringing in someone to strengthen them up at the back really, really has to be a good move as far as they're concerned. So I think this is a great signing for them. Um, and it, like we say, the only concern really for me is that is the time that he's not played. Um, you know, that's, that's obvious. Um, we don't know how it's going to be. We don't know whether he's going to have suffered from that. We don't know whether that's going to result in any kind of diminishing in his, in his game. You know, that's definitely a wait-and-see factor. But, you know, the, the the last two seasons that he played, Belfast, 30 games plus eight. Vienna Capitals in the EBL, 29 games plus 17. You know, three games in the DEL for Adler Mannheim, plus two. You know, it speaks volumes in terms of him defensively. And also, 20 points in the 30 games for Belfast, 15 assists. So if he's another guy that can feed the likes of Pickenich, Conway, Cooper, Goodwin... Great, great signing for them for me. Um, not the signing that they expected. And yes, when you look at it straight away, they probably would have preferred Blair Riley. But actually, when you when you pan it out, bigger picture, I, I think he'll be a great fit for them and I think it'll be a good addition. And maybe this might just be the signing that they look to and go, that secured as that league title. Um, I've been reading what they've said. You know, Steve Thornton for the Belfast Giants said, we're, we're excited to bring money back to Belfast for the end of the season. It's a tight at the top of the league table right now and every game counts. Uh, we have a fantastic team this season who have fought their way to the top of the table, but we have an important season-defining games coming up and his return will be an important boost and insurance for the team for the remainder of the season. He's a great teammate and a great player. We're excited to have him back to help us out. So, sums up what it needs to really. They've got a guy coming in to help him out, out down the stretch. And let's remember now, gents, Belfast are the only team right now that are on for a grand slam. After yesterday, and can anybody, we might, we might have our differences of opinions in terms of who's going to win the league, who's going to win the playoffs. Can anybody really hold their hands up and say they think it's out of the picture? Because that's exactly what's going to be in Belfast's mind right now, securing that grand slot. And I think this will do, I, I think this is a great signing to try and do that. The other thing is, I mean, if we look at what Patrick Mullen said, it's actually quite a good article on the Belfast site. Um, getting another chance to skate out for the Belfast Giants is something I hoped would happen, particularly with how the 2019-20 season was cut short. The team are having an amazing season. It's been great to watch their success from afar, and I'm ready to support them in any way I can. Everyone says it, but Belfast is a very special place, and I'm looking forward to getting back, seeing the guys I played with last time, meeting the new guys, and seeing the fans again. All eyes are on the championship at this point in the season, and this is all about adding depth and providing support wherever I can. This isn't just a signing of a strong defenceman. This is a signing of someone who wants to play in Belfast and a signing of someone who wants to win in Belfast. And that's something that there aren't many teams in this league that draw. 
But Belfast certainly do that in drawing players that want to come back year after year. And even after they leave, want to return. And that's a huge, huge thing. So this guy isn't playing for the name on the back of the jersey. and It's cliched, but he's playing for the name on the front every day of the week. And that's what they need right now. Anything else on Patrick Mullen? No, I'll let me close all the tabs that I had open for him. Um, last but not least, uh, Turner Ripplinger from the University of Regina to Guildford Flames. Who wants to jump in on that one? It's a signing. Uh, laptop's working, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> that don't, I'm not going to lie, it don't make any sense. Um, not even from a depth perspective. It, you, again, stats are, are just part of the picture. And Dixon's been a good recruiter in Guildford's time in the Elite League, but apart from a couple of seasons where he's had a decent goal production, he, I mean, I'm, and Sheffield won't get the chance to see him uh, in Sheffield. We've already played the Flames in our all games, but it, it just, I'm not sure. It's, it feels like it's just an extra body on the bench. I don't think Guildford have an injury problem. So it just don't make sense. But then again, like I think it was Andy mentioned, could be another diamond in the rough that no one expects, but turns out to you know, give, give Guildford that impetus that gets them in the playoffs because they're teetering on the edge of not making the uh, the postseason, which I don't think any of us would have called at the beginning of the season. So who knows? But this is a sign that just don't make any sense to me. But as much as Guildford haven't won much, you can't fault the recruitment of Paul Dixon. So. Uh, as the as the saying goes in Dixon, you trust. Let me just just before you carry on, because I don't I did not realise this. I've just read it on their article, but apparently he's essentially been brought in to replace Tristan Frey, who's out for the rest of the season. I would not realised. Literally just read it, and I thought just as he said, you didn't know whether they had injuries. I've just read it. I thought no, I'd just chime at him. I mean that that makes sense as well as why they signed him. I mean, look at his stats wise this season. 19 points in 20 games for a, a right winger. That's quite decent. The one thing that stands out the most is in 2018-19 season, 57 games, he had 150 penalty minutes. And the season before that, 134 penalty minutes. So to me, even though he's been putting up some good points as well in some of the leagues he's played in, He's one that's going to be saying hello to the penalty box stewards a fair amount of times. But he's going to be one that's going to be not afraid to stick up for his team, look at the amount of penalty minutes he's getting. It's going to be the one to put the body out there, which I think going after the last few games that Guildford have had, well, during this season at the moment, this year, he's going to be wanted for them, I think. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. I mean, I think we've got Guildford a few times. I know we have at the very end of the season, but apart from that, if they make the playoffs, he's going to hopefully be someone that can help them. Interesting to me is that you are replacing one guy from the University of Regina with another guy that's played for the University of Regina, which is a, a, a very strange move to me. 
again, it's the third one that I, I think we've seen this season. Uh, obviously, um, Chalk had come from them as well. So it's very interesting to see that they're using one particular team uh, quite a lot to get these signings. Um, for, for me, he's definitely not a, a huge replacement for Tristan Fry. Uh, but he has uh, got the captaincy before in the last couple of years for University of Regina. So maybe they are lucky for someone who can be a bit of a leader as well in the room. Um, there's not a whole lot I can really go from it. Um, stats aren't fantastic. And again, it's an issue of penalty minutes. So I'd be bringing him in for, you know, to, to be. Andy, you've suddenly gone on mute, mate. I don't know why. But you've suddenly gone on mute. His laptop. There's no vote for you. Um, yeah. Um, again, could just be that when I was uh, signings looking for, you know, brought into ruffle a few feathers, brought into cause a bit of havoc. They haven't really got that player in particular that has been billed as, you know, uh, a guy that can ruffle feathers. They did bring in. Um, it's happened again, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're back on mute. <laughs> what the hell is going on with my laptop today? Have you got like a, a thing on your headset? No, it's something on the keyboard. I don't know what it is though. Stop pressing the keyboard. Then. Yeah, I've, I've got it away from it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> moving on. Um, yeah, so maybe he's brought in to be the, the player that can ruffle some feathers like... Um, Ian Watters did it a couple of times in his first season for Guildford. Uh, not so much done it, to my knowledge, this season, but maybe he's just that person to, uh, um, to, cause, a bit of, to cause a bit of upset to other team. But who knows? But it's not a, it's not a very overwhelming signing. Um, mainly baffled that it's just another University of Regina player. I, I don't quite understand the... Uh, uh, the way of thinking there, and unless he actually asked Tristan, you know, who, who's best player to replace you, maybe he's, he's just put, put that name out. Who knows? But very, very strange. Yeah, weird turn of events with that one. Um, strange coincidence if it is just that. Um, yeah, bizarre. Uh, penalty minutes certainly stand out when you look at your stats, like you've already said, guys. Um, 23 year old right, right winger. Um, so, again, another young player. So it is good to see. Um, you know, his stats aren't bad. Again, 20 games, 19 points in the last season uh, for the University of Regina. Um, 28 games, 12 points in the 2019-20 season. So, um, you know, he looks like he could put some points up. Like we say, Guildford are a team that are fighting to stay above that playoff line right now. Um, and that's their key priority. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. But his stats don't tell a huge story, I don't think, other than, <laughs> other than his penalty minutes. You've got to think, looking at those penalty minutes, there's some fighting majors involved in there. Because if there's not, he's seriously a liability in terms of his discipline. Um, but you've, you've got to hope that there's some fighting majors in there as well. So maybe that's what Guildford need. Maybe Guildford were just feeling that they were lacking a bit of toughness. Maybe they felt like they needed you know, a big body or someone that was going to come in there. He's 5'10", he's not even a big body. Maybe they just felt like they needed some toughness to come in there and um, you know, bolster the team in that respect. Uh, the actual article from Guildford, it's quite funny actually because obviously they announced him 
considerably after the closing of the transfer deadline. So it deals with that straight away. The transfer deadline has come and gone, but we had the key transfer details sorted out with Turner before the deadline and have now just been waiting on a visa. Uh, Turner has put up some good offensive numbers in recent seasons at junior and university levels and by all accounts he's a skilled player who can get up and down the ice so hopefully he could demonstrate some of his offensive punch once he gets here uh, sorry once he gets a few games under his belt with the loss of Tristan Fry for the remainder of the season we couldn't risk the final run always playing at least one guy short so Turner is a big addition in the club and we are looking forward to his debut on Saturday night very, very strange press release to me, boys. And I'm not going to lie, that sounds very much like Paul Dixon saying we needed someone, so apparently he's all right. I don't, I, that just seems bizarre to me. For a coach to say, by all accounts, he's a skilled player, hopefully he can demonstrate some of his offensive punch. It's very, very uncertain. It's very, very much like we'd lost a guy, so we needed a guy, so we got him. Um, I'm not quite sure I'd read any confidence into the statement from Paul Dixon there, but. It's a wait-and-see signing. I know we've not said that for a while, necessarily, um, in this respect at least, but it's definitely a wait-and-see signing. His stats are quite minimal. They don't tell a great story. Uh, the statement from Paul Dixon doesn't necessarily ensue that much confidence. But every single player that comes into this league at the moment, we know. We've seen players come in with minimal stats, like I've said before, and, uh, and like the league up. So every chance he could come in and be what the Guildford Flames need to stay above that playoff line. Because that's exactly what they need to do right now. That's their number one priority. Uh, anything else on Ripplinger? Seeing shaking heads, so we will move to the next bit. We just close all those tabs down. Uh, so the next thing I have on my list is Dops. And uh, honestly, gents, I don't really know what we're going to say about this because there's very, very minimal about it. So... Um, Glasgow clan head coach Malcolm Cameron has been fined and suspended for one game following incidents both during and immediately following game 258 Dundee Stars versus Glasgow clan on the 13th of March 2022. I'll read the rest because it's any short. Following consultation between EIHL DOPS, EIHL Hockey Operations and the EIHL's own disciplinary committee, which deals with issues that fall outside of the scope of the Department of Player Safety, who took time to assess the reports and footage from Sunday's game and came to its final decision on Tuesday evening. Cameron will serve his suspension on the 18th of March versus Cardiff, game 2.30. The clan were informed of this decision on Wednesday. I honestly don't know what to say about this, boys. I, I, this, this, there's zero detail in there. It's not been tweeted. It hasn't been tweeted by the league, by DOPS, by Glasgow. <laughs> if this doesn't summarise how tin-pot DOPS have been this year, it has to be that. Everyone is on mute. <laughs> I think that just sums up the uh, the whole thing that everyone was amused. Um, as I was saying, it was, it's an interesting statement from the uh, the Department of uh, Puppy Safety. I think we can call it after this one. Um, he was heated after the the game. Dundee got a shed load of uh, power plays. He was not happy that, in his words, <laughs> Dundee was diving left, right, and centre, um, and the referees fell for it. And Dundee was scoring on the power play. What I think we talked in in our chat is you give him a what we don't know is what was said and we are assuming it's all about the comments made in the interview after uh, afterwards we don't know what was said during the game as it makes reference to this was during and after um, but if we're going on the back of I've, I've it's not a funny matter, but I did howl at the line about the, the kicking the puppy type thing, just in terms of the context it didn't fit. 
and we're giving him a ban for that. Yet, Scalda gets caught, say, literally calling the league out during the Cardiff-Belfast game, which was also on TV, and didn't get nothing. Best line of the season. Maybe best line of the season. Begs a few questions. You know, yeah, good. You know, probably shouldn't get kicked. You know, bad. But when you're calling the league out, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. There's no consistency for me anyway. Um, it's, a, it's a bizarre one. Um, but yeah, you, you knew from the interview that Malcolm was very hot under the collar. And they're the times where you will say stuff that he'll sit down the day after and go, probably should have said that. Heats, heats of the moment stuff. And, you know, we all have said stuff in the heat of the moment where we go, yeah, I didn't want to say that. Yeah, maybe the wrong thing. Um, sometimes on Facebook Live. Yes, very much sometimes on Facebook Live. Yes, indeed, Joseph. Um, but, yeah, it's... I don't have a problem if it's going down that line with a game ban what I am going to say is you can't give that any game's worth of suspension and you don't give a head coach that calls out the integrity of the league he at the moment or nothing you, if you don't do that but you do the others nah but I'm sure it's just not consistent for me I wonder if not, obviously, they didn't, they've not mentioned anything in the past, but they've looked at previous interviews where they've looked at it and gone, they've actually said to him, you need to calm yourself. We we won't take this lightly if you do it again. And then, obviously, that's come out. And then they've looked at the game footage, seen him probably say a few choice words to the referee whilst on the bench. And go, you know what? We're giving you a warning. Here you go. There's the ban. Here's the fine. We're just paying for our night in bunkers. Apart from that, I can't. I'm with yourself on that one, Dave. You can't really not give much to someone that's actually calling the league out to where someone's just calling the official out. Although I have seen, this has probably been happening like oh, since the whole thing with uh, Holgarth. Since then, anything to do with the refs, they're on it straight away. Which, fair play to them, because it needs to happen. But then again, yeah, I can't really, can't really say much when it's they're not actually going to someone that's actually called the league out. Someone who's comment that makes about a puppy. It's like, really, guys? Come on. Well, it's uh, like they're taking it up very seriously uh, since the whole Kurt Zuma situation when he kicked his cat. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just absolutely laughable, to be honest with you. Um, they might as well go and police a, a duck race for all, I think. You know, just absolute, absolute shambles, this. Of course, they're going to get 
you know, sometimes, sometimes you're going to get coaches calling out the league and stuff like that. And uh, But if it was for that comment about a puppy, then, you know, as I said, that's more of a, you know, just a saying than anything else. Um, but if it wasn't for that direct thing about calling the league a joke, you know, all that, um, calling out the league, then obviously they've got the wrong sort of um, idea of what actually they should be looking at instead of the other. So stupid for me. Absolutely stupid. I've just got no other words. No other words. Andy, I think you might have just titled the podcast with the um, might as well police a duck race, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it, it's a bizarre one. Um, I don't I don't necessarily agree in comparing it to Scalder solely on the basis of, obviously, there was the incident with Coventry and Hogarth, and the league did warn, and granted, they only warned that higher fines would be implemented for any, any clubs that, that had future conduct like that. But, Gref, like you've said, they've cracked down on it with the officials now, and I think it's needed. They they need to make sure that it's not happening anymore, because, let's be honest, we've all sat at games, we've all slagged off referees from, from time to time. We need We need referees. We can't afford to lose referees in this league. We can't. So they have to do something to safeguard that and make sure that we have refs available. So I'm not objected to the suspension. I agree that in, in proportion to what Scalder said, yeah, it, it's not really fair that, that Cameron has ended up with that and Scalder hasn't. And if anything, actually, the fact that we're talking about the Scalder incident because of how publicised it was and we're talking about the Cameron incident not actually really knowing what was said, if we're talking about the PR and the kind of bringing the league into disrepute, what Scalder did was much worse. But if what we're, if what we're presuming happened, because I can't imagine this has come from the comment about, about the dog. I, I imagine, and like Dave, like you've said, they, they've mentioned about it being during and immediately following the game. Um, you know, they, they've, they've said that they've reviewed um, reports and footage from Sunday's game. So I imagine that this is going to be due, due to his conduct with the referees and I'm not objected to a game suspension. However, firstly, you're going to give a game suspension. Surely, in terms of transparency, we have to have some more information than that. You can't just brush whatever happened under the carpet and go, I'm giving him a game ban, job done. We, we, what are we going to do now? We're just going to stop doing Dops videos altogether. What, where, where's the line drawn? Like, if, if he's done something that is worthy of a suspension, there should be a video explaining it, just like there would be for a player. And that goes exactly the same for Danny Stewart last time round. There should be a video, because he's been suspended. He's done. So. He's not a fine. He's actually had a suspension. My second issue with it is, he he's now had the same suspension as Danny Stewart. And the footage that went round about Danny Stewart was quite clearly, as far as we were concerned... And granted, the Coventry Blaze did their best to skirt around it and, and say that wasn't his intention, but he was quite clearly making a comment about mental health. We talked about this last time. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But I'm waiting on that. Thank you. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to go down there again. But compared to 
Danny Stewart openly making comments about a player's mental health who has mental health issues and has openly spoken about that. And the biggest issue with that is everybody's praising Justin Hodgman for coming out about his, talking about his mental health issues, and then that happens. Coach calls out referees during and after a game. I just, I just think it just again plays into the hands of the comment that they're not taking the comment seriously enough from Danny Stewart. Other than that, I have no issues with it. I think a game suspension, if we're going to start taking it seriously in terms of what's been said to referees, fine. As long as that's now consistent. Because what we have to remember is the, the Jared Scalder incident was pre-Coventry. That was pre the issues with Steph Hogarth. So I think we have to kind of draw a line in the sand of that and say, right, anything before that, fair enough. Anything after that has to be judged by this benchmark. And I think that's what the league are probably trying to do now. So I don't have an issue with it. I just think that we need some clarity. However, and again, not condoning necessarily what was said, the comment of there is only so many times you can kick a dog before it explodes may be the most bizarre thing we've ever heard in an interview. And if there's anything you can say about Malcolm Cameron, he certainly brings some interest in his post-game interviews. And if anybody is sitting there seeing Glasgow lose a game and isn't then thinking, what's Malcolm going to have said in his interview? You really need to change your outlook because it makes for some great listening. <laughs> it's certainly the content we're all here for. Definitely is the content we're all here for. Uh, anything else on this one, gents? I'm seeing shaking heads again. So we will move on to the topic of the moment. And the topic of the moment, which is so perfectly placed on St. Paddy's Day. Just checks his watch to make sure. We've got three minutes left of St. Paddy's Day. So just... <laughs> So we've just come back from Belfast, as uh, I'm sure we've not mentioned. Um, I'll throw it straight out to you, Jess. Great weekend. Oh, fantastic weekend. Um, from start to finish, I mean, in fairness, when, when you go to an away weekend and the message is, what are you guys drinking? It's waiting for you on the bridge. You know the type of weekend you're going to have. Um, shout out to, to Garrett Walters and um, his new wife, Roisin Walters, um, for looking after us in that context. Um, I was crossing the bridge over the river looking for my pint. I'm very confused. Uh, that's, that sounds like a you problem. Um, yeah. But, uh, no, it's a great weekend. And I must admit, I, I, I thought the atmosphere, as much as the collective noise, I've been to, the, to that building, and Joe and Andy, you've been... Uh, before it been louder but I felt the atmosphere even though it was two teams that were going for a title it was quite relaxed it was quite jovial and there was a bit of yeah we want you to lose vice versa but there was a little there was an element of respect in the atmosphere you know you go to places um, moments Cardiff where you don't tend to have that but you had that all weekend um, the hockey wise for me the split does Sheffield more favours. Um, and it makes the drubbing on the Friday night irrelevant, winning on the Saturday. Um, I think we, we said on the Saturday afternoon, uh, you know, there was probably some of the worst performances from a Sheffield perspective and some very good performances from Belfast. Sat- Saturday, rolls reverse. You had some of the best performances. Steinovich, for me, his best game in a Steelers shirt. You had a number of players you could also argue their best play- performances in a Steelers shirt. Whereas Belfast, some of the worst performances, best of all, I didn't think had a a strong game at all. Um, 
But that's not saying he's, he's not a good netminder. Um, but you mentioned about the speed. Both sides have speed. Speed in abundance. Um, uh, Latal's goal. All about his speed. Um, couple of goals on Friday night were just, you know, outstanding skill. The pass for Whistle's goal. Oh, my Lord. I think me and you... Best player of the Joe, game. Me and you, Joe, like, oh, just couldn't make a noise because just, like, in all of the pass. And I, he's also scored as well. Outstanding um, goal for Whistle. Um, I, I don't know what, you know, you, you guys, Gref, Andy, and, and Joe... I, it's, good weekend. The hockey kind of was split was was good for both sides. I think benefits Sheffield a bit more, but it's good to be back in Belfast. Dave, sorry, just backtrack that a little bit. You, the connection went, and so I, I don't think it's going to be on the recording. So just backtrack that to Brandon Whistle again. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Cause in fairness, I thought you throw so that, that makes a bit of sense. Yeah. Uh, what I was saying was, I thought the split was fair. Slightly benefit Sheffield a bit more, if I'm honest, because Belfast now have to go to Sheffield and win probably both games. Um, but the hockey was good across the board. Yeah, we were disappointed on, on the Friday. The, the bar takings weren't from us. Never mind everybody else. Um, but just, it's just good to be back in Belfast. Yeah, for for me, it was pretty decent. I mean, first trip over in Belfast. Got to see some friends that we haven't seen in, what, two years? So that was pretty decent. I mean, went to some strange bar, but quite decent in there. Made Disney karaoke on a Friday night. Who doesn't want that? With a bit of rock music involved. Yep, with a bit of rock music as well. I mean, it's another arena to check off my list. So I've been there. Hockey was quite decent. Friday, it was one of those games where you were looking at it going, oh, wow, Belfast has really turned up. And then Saturday, it was, oh, wow, Belfast haven't turned up today. Sheffield have. So there were two really good games to watch as a neutral. I mean, the arena itself is really nice, I thought. Cheap food as well. Could highly recommend chips and curry. Cheese. Cheese. Cheese for you, curry for me. All around, I think that was a really good trip. I just getting up at half six on the Sunday morning, but you were here or there. It's always a great time when you go to Belfast and uh, definitely a place that I've missed over the last couple of years. Uh, just, just you know, the arena, uh, just a nice place to sit and watch hockey. Uh, the bars around it, fantastic. Uh, and just the city itself, you know, uh, a very amazing city, uh, amazing people as well. And you know, having a chance to, to do the Black Cab tours again, which again, very recommended. Um, very uh, unique insight in, in, into uh, the history of Belfast. Uh, so just all in all, just a great place uh, to, to spend a weekend. So much to do, uh, but in terms of hockey, uh, yeah, Friday. Uh, I don't know what happened in, in that game to Sheffield, but we just didn't seem to have uh, left the uh, tarmac since landing uh, for that game. But tell you what, we did get to see uh, at home 
for the first time was the pick a pick a mix or or um, a picnic. Uh, I just learned from uh, from Joe that they uh, also call him pick and mix uh, or Dave, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, we we got to see them in the flesh, you know, at home, and they show why they are the top line in in, in British hockey. Uh, so we're going back Friday, the 5-1 win again, 5-1 uh, win to Belfast. Uh, the first goal was Goodwin, assisted pic- picnic, and Reinhardt. Then you had Cooper, assist Rup, Rain. Cooper, assisted Conway, Goodwin. Conway, assisted picnic. And then picnic, assisted Conway and Goodwin. So just seeing that there, that they get the majority of the points on both days. It, that just shows why they are the best line in, in British hockey, 100%. Uh, and don't do a Chris Ellis. Don't unintentionally troll. I'll try that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just again, uh, Saturday, a lot better in terms of Sheffield's perspective. It was night and day compared to Friday. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure um, how or, or what instigated that difference. Maybe they were... Uh, going in with the same game attitude as I have been for the last couple of months, but they changed it for the Saturday. Um, I heard that, uh, you know, even though he's been scratched a couple of games this season, uh, Traversa uh, was definitely on, on board with the club. He, he loves the club and uh, he apparently gave a really good speech uh, before the start of the game. Uh, and I heard that Fox was pretty much there bright and early to watch them train, to watch them uh, see how they, um, you know, they do their tactical work and just doing all that research now really, really paid off for Sheffield. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd take a split weekend, 100%. I think it's still a lot to play for. Still a lot of games. There's still a lot of uh, banana skins in potential other teams that can take can take points off both Belfast and Sheffield. So as long as I can keep keep uh, things going as they were, um, then they should be okay. Just got to watch out for those uh for those teams uh, on, on on both sides, but great trip, great to see uh, Joe and everyone in Belfast again. Just, just fantastic. Uh, can't recommend it enough for, for a hockey weekend or, or, or otherwise. But fantastic trip, boys. I can't echo that enough. How good was it to be back in Belfast? How good was it to be back in Belfast? Um, if there's any trip that we always try and do, this weekend showed why. Um, a great weekend, really, really enjoyable, even even though the hockey on Friday was terrible. Um, and I don't think we expected much going into the game on Saturday after the uh, after the performance on, on Friday. Um, but a great weekend, uh, and not just for the hockey. Not, that's, that, you know, that's the key thing when you're going over to Belfast. You're guaranteed a great weekend. Um, you know, you read things on Twitter. We, we talk about how much a, a toxic place social media can be. And, um, you know, you read the comments, uh, and I think a lot of them were coming from Cardiff when, when the, uh, the Challenge Cup final was announced as being in Belfast on, on the Wednesday night. Uh, I've seen a lot of comments from people saying they don't go to Belfast because of the tension, the atmosphere in the arena, um, tension between fans, whatever else. I just can't honestly comment on how much I disagree. I was going to say how rubbish that is, but obviously everybody's experiences are different, but I just can't honestly say how much I disagree. And I honestly don't actually think, and Dave, Andy, I'm looking more at you guys just because of more Steelers trips together. I don't honestly think we've been to many places where I've felt that there's been a hostile, tense atmosphere in that respect. And I kind of feel like 
if you're going into a weekend and coming out with that experience, maybe you need to take a look at yourself as well and see how you've been acting. Because you see fans goading each other, whatever, you expect that, that's no problem. You know, we all have a bit of banter in the game, and that's fine. But every fan base has got a collection of, of idiots. And I feel like sometimes you're unlucky, you find those those people. Sometimes maybe it's a bit a bit of both and maybe it just gets exaggerated. I don't I don't know. I just I honestly can't say how much I disagree with that. I think every time we beat to Belfast it's been an incredible weekend. The fans have always been amazing. You know, we've always had a fantastic time and this weekend's no exception. Um the hockey itself, Friday, game to forget. We did what we could to do that. Um <laughs> Don't know what you mean. Honestly, don't think I saw much of the game because I think I spent most of the time at the bar. But um, no, you know, a, a great performance from Belfast. I could take it away. I could say I don't think Sheffield played well, and I honestly don't think we did. But a great performance from Belfast. Um, they really brought it to us. And honestly, at that point, it felt like the league had gone. I don't, I, Andy and Dave. I, I don't, I don't think that's unfair to say. And I know that sounds defeatist. I know that sounds like it's one of those fans that go, oh, "We've lost the game," or it's all doom and gloom. It felt like the, the, the league had gone then. And then we come back on Saturday and roles reversed. And, and like you guys have all said, you know, Belfast were the team that did turn up that game. Sheffield were the team that did. And I think it was the same scenario. It's taking nothing away from Sheffield by saying that Belfast didn't, didn't come out because Sheffield came out strong. But coming out of that weekend with a split weekend, Dave, Andy, you, you both said it at least. It's the best result possible for Sheffield. Well, obviously, four points would have been the best result possible. But I think Sheffield benefit a lot more from that. And I think coming out of that game was the point when we went, actually, the league's on. And, and I don't think some Belfast fans will realise, from a Sheffield perspective, how important that win was for us. That win wasn't taking two points out of four away from Belfast. That win was beating a slump of four or five games where we've played very, very poorly. And that's, that was the biggest thing for me is that hopefully that result, that performance is what we needed to break us out of that to push us forward for that title contention now. And I genuinely believe it will have done. Um, but no, outstanding weekend. Some great hockey play from both sides. Um, kudos to Belfast to come straight out that weekend and go into the Challenge Cup final the same week. Um, but no, fantastic weekend. And uh, I honestly can't say it enough, so I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm going to stop with that now, boys. But now, I'll say you know we we mentioned Garrett and, and Rushing. We obviously uh, listened to the uh, podcast because Love all spent time with a few drinks. Um, obviously mentioned Joe Sheenan, uh, Stuart Smith, and a few other Belfast fans who, have, who know about the podcast. And we we got to meet um, just just you know great great time amongst everybody and um, it was just such a laugh. You know, especially with. There's such doom and gloom around the world just to have a weekend where you just laugh so much. Um, some stories that obviously can't shared um, on the podcast, but just just a great weekend. Great weekend. Joe, I, say, I believe it's Joe Bird before she actually sends any of us evils. My apologies. I'll echo what you said, Griff, about the bar. I mean, it was the, the weirdest bar I've ever been. I've never been out on a Friday night listening to primarily <laughs> Disney music, but <laughs> Disney music with a bit of rock. It's when the message came through. We all like said, sorry, could we get what? This is not a great concept. And we're like, no, sorry, let's go for it. Go for it. It's a cheap bar, it looked like. Yeah. And it was quite cheap. 
Yeah, and you go to the bar and order a Red Bull and vodka and uh, end up with a vodka and Coke. Yeah, Stafford. Me and Griff were desperate for some caffeine. And the amount of shots of Zambuca that were being done. Oh. Jaeger as well? Yes. Did you have Jaeger? I've never had a Jaeger in such a big tumbler before. <laughs> I, felt like, I felt like it was a long drink. It wasn't, that wasn't a Jaeger bomb. It was, it was drink, out, drink out of a Chalice. It's fine. Chalice. <laughs> you also got some new hearts, Joe? I got some I, new hearts. What a surprise. Yep. I also yep. temporarily lost the hat. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. It went on a, a field trip. It did. Yeah. But like Andy said, also, if you go to Belfast, I've, if you've got a game towards the end of the season or next season, give yourself two hours. Get your hotel to book one of the Black Capitals. Do it. Very worth it. Interesting. And it's people, we got lucky as someone who lived through. Um, better insight than any TV documentary. Even if I did get abuse. Understandable. Thanks. He deserved it. Scouts. <laughs> of all, all the people in the world are Scouse fan. The amazing bit was how many Liverpool things we then drove past <laughs> or walked past <laughs> for, him, for him to just give you grief. <laughs> but, oh, uh, it was funny. Made the trip what it was. Oh, it yeah. definitely was funny, mate, believe it. <laughs> But no, 100%. I'll echo that, gents. That was, it was a, it was a, um, a great use of a couple of hours, even if it didn't involve any bars. Um, yeah, it was. You know, first time I've done one. But Gref, you first time you've been in Belfast, so definitely first time you've done one. Dave and Andy, I know you've done them before, but absolutely fantastic. Really, really interesting. Um, definitely, definitely recommend. Say, so, that was the, I think that's the third or fourth I've done. That was the best one. Best one I've ever gone on. So. There you go. An MSN recommendation that you should listen to. And our predictions aren't good, but recommendations, a lot better. On Sparship Advisor. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just just one more thing for me, really. I I don't understand the uh, hostile environment sort of comment, because they clearly haven't been inside uh, Mallorca Bar in Arborg. (laughs) <laughs> he's not wrong no he's not hold on he didn't he's go in the Mallorca not. bar I'm on I'm like a mate I'm, I'm drunk on it second man vibes from the Mallorca bar what's going on that's, that's the thing you remember there. You, 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 that's the right reason why we won on, on the side it was all about the positive vibes positive vibes hashtag be kind good vibes all um yeah, the chicken, the chicken burgers in the arena, by the way. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Also, there's a great food truck on the other side of the, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> on the other side of the bridge that did poutine. Basically, our diet consisted of chips for the majority of the weekend. Uh, but that poutine was incredible. A lot of bread, especially in the breakfast. Yeah, a lot of, lot of bread in the breakfast, but. Yeah, no, gents, great weekend. Uh, you know, we all expected it. Long travel day on the way back, Gref. Like you say, 6 a.m. start, bus to the uh, bus to the airport, plane, train, change of platforms because the train literally looked like a cattle market. And then um, finally onto a train to Doncaster, luckily that stopped at Sheffield. So, um, yeah, 
Griff's looking confused now because he doesn't actually know that we ended up changing trains. Yeah. As soon as we got the plane, I got an Uber. That's nice. And also, we just have to say, if you have a wheelie suitcase <laughs> <laughs> and you decide to sit on said wheelie suitcase, <laughs> it may not then be an idea to try and crab your way horizontally to speak to somebody else, as Andy will tell you, because he fell off it three times. <laughs> Well, you know, Friday Entertainment, so uh, someone's got to. <laughs> That's true, mate. I'll not, I'll not just be for you. I will also, I'll, I'll put my hand up for my faux pas. It's also not a good idea to try and get into a train station using your aeroplane boarding pass. Um, <laughs> that caused some confusion, and I wondered why the gate would not open to the train station until I realised I'd opened the wrong thing. <laughs> the stories to add to the uh, the members of the weekend. This is true. That's all we were trying. Andy, that's all we were trying to do, mate. Weren't it? it was, they were all artificial. Oh, of yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought it was a good idea at the time, but obviously it wasn't. There's yeah. also strangely a bloke that looked a little bit like Cruella Deville in the train station, <laughs> and <laughs> at, one, at one stage, t- <laughs> at one stage, he took his shoes and socks off. I don't know if you guys saw this. He took his shoes and socks off. And he sat there, I'm not. I'm genuinely not kidding, he sat there for five minutes with his sock balanced on his nose. I'm, <laughs> I honestly, I have never seen anything like it. I, I've if seen he just sat there so casually. In that part of Manchester Airport, and I, I think that tops it. But the best bit was, he then took the sock off his nose, put back on his shoes and socks, and walked out. He wasn't even getting a train or a bus. He wanted to kick just there. Oh, bizarre. <laughs> bizarre. But anyway, we digress. Um, anything else on Belfast, gents, or are we uh, are we happy to move on? Not necessarily happy to move on. I'm sure we all want to be back in Belfast, but you catch my drift. Next season. Next season. Oh, definitely next season. No early flights. I'm not booking early flights. No, it's not a prayer we're getting a flight at that time ever again. No. The only <laughs> upside to that was having a chat with Dean Smith in the airport. Oh, yeah, shout out to Dean Smith. In fact, he was chatting to us in the bar uh, both Friday and Saturday night. Um, do you know, for, for, as a referee, good laugh. He's, he's, he's one of the ones who he doesn't, he doesn't mind a good conversation with people. As long as you talk to him right, he'll talk to you all night long. Yeah, no, 100%. He was also devastated that his car was at Birmingham Airport because <laughs> he really wanted to join us for a pint. But, um... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, the silver lining, I guess, maybe next season if we do go again, is that hopefully uh, Flabby will be doing flights against Belfast City, so hopefully no 30-minute uh, bus ride to his national. Hopefully, honestly. <laughs> and hopefully we have a better landing than we did on the, <laughs> on the way back into Manchester. But yeah. Boys, have we got anything else on Belfast? We've got to move on. Shaking heads. Right, so the next thing I have on my list is the Conti Cup final. Conti Cup, not Challenge Cup. Conti Cup, and I'm going to throw that over to someone who has the details of it because I don't. Very quick. Um, obviously, it was a three-team tournament because Gommel was not allowed to uh, participate. Ha. Um, and Krakow are the latest winners. I think the first winners from Poland of the Conti Cup um, defeated uh, Karabang, Karabanga and Alborg uh, will be taking part in the CHL next year. Um so congratulations to, to Krakow. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen some 
interesting teams this week I've qualified um, for the CXL next year. Um, I know we're not going to talk about much this week, but some uh, teams that you wouldn't have expected or probably heard of um, that have now made the cut. So, uh, But yeah, Krakow, um, and I, I stand by what we said in the last one when we talked about it. I generally do think we'd have done something in that tournament with the team we have at the moment. It's, just, it's a shame. But I had to laugh. When they were, when Alborg put on their social media, all their fans were like, get Sheffield over, get Sheffield over, want Sheffield over. They were the best team. Their fans were great. Get them over. Get, they didn't care about the others. Get Sheffield over, get Sheffield over. So I, I think our contribution to the uh, the food outlets uh, left an impression. We are available to hire if anybody from our walk is uh, is listening. If you want to pay for flights and accommodation, we're more than happy to come for a weekend in Alborg. Just yes. not conga lines this time. Yep. I am more than happy for a conga line. <laughs> we'll, we'll have the paperwork ready for you to sign for um, disclaimers. I'll be going with my crutches next time, so just in case. <laughs> have to return them. Hmm? To return them, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, anything else on Conti Cup, gents? I think it was just a case of mentioning it, wasn't it, really? Uh, so then we move from the Conti Cup final, uh, and just to try and confuse me epically, we move to the Challenge Cup final. So we'll see if there's any faux pas where I say cha- uh, Conti instead of Challenge. Um, Belfast Giants uh, took a 3-2 overtime win against the Cardiff Devils on Wednesday. Uh, they were down 2-0, uh, two goals in the third period, and then a goal in overtime to take the win. Um, Premier Sports, I have to say, gents, great viewing for a game. Um, just when you think Belfast are down and out. A nice goal, batted in from midair um, to get them back on the board. And then, um, you know, a great performance from them after that. Very good. Um, it was kind of very, because I caught the last bit of the first period and it was a bit, what I saw was very back and forth. And, and, and Cardiff out of nowhere kind of got this two goal lead. And you kind of thought Belfast have just, you know, They've just bottled it. Home home final, big crowd. You thought, yeah, Cardiff are going to walk because Belfast just didn't look like they could score. Caruth was playing well and Fancy played outstanding throughout the whole game. You just didn't think they had anything. Um, and then in the third, Belfast got um, the first goal from Soy. And it just kind of, you, you saw the spark were there. They all woke up. The crowd got involved. And you, it just got louder and louder and louder. And they then got the equaliser. And in case no one's aware, with Cardiff's 4D, Cardiff held on to take it to overtime um, and just somehow just you know, got got there. Um, and it just you just knew it was a matter of time before Belfast were, were going to get the winner just because of the short bench that Cardiff had. Um, and a nice goal to win it, mm-hmm. truth be told. Uh, and a good game of hockey all around. Uh, it was fun to watch. You know, both netminers were playing well, some decent hits, a um, bit of niggle, and yeah, it was just what, what a hockey match should be. I, I enjoyed it. Much as I would rather see Sheffield lift the Chance Cup, it was still a good game to watch. It was probably one of the, the highlights of the game as well. Obviously, what we saw this morning from what Belfast tweeted out. Adam Keith celebrating, falling backwards off the bench, getting back up and just carrying on celebrating as if, yeah, I would just made a fool out of myself, but oh well. Looking game-wise, 
as a, obviously all of us were neutral for it, it was one hell of a game to watch. Shots wise, Belfast outshot Cardiff forty to seventeen. And that kind of doesn't surprise me with the apparent only four D that Cardiff had that we never got mentioned. It was just an all out really good game. I mean you could tell from the start when you had a Sam Duggan putting a, a hit on Kieran Long. Kieran Long get up and going, what are you doing? And him throwing a hit, obviously getting called for it because of retaliation. I think that was a great game. And then obviously we could see him Cardiff go up 1-0, which was a really nice goal. And then 10 minutes later, the 2-0 up, and you're like, like you said, you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, uh Belfast still back on Saturday where they weren't as great then. Well then, whatever was said in the interval came out within three minutes. Two two went up. Well, it's two one, and then it went two all. Two really good goals. Obviously, in overtime. Ben Lake steps up, scores his goal, and they, they're they all celebrating. And obviously, the laptop had to come out, because it's not a Belfast game against Cardiff without it. But it was, all in all, I think it was a really good game. Um, as soon as that, the second period ended with uh, 2-0 Cardiff winning at that stage... Uh, I, I just had nightmares of um, the last shootout against Sheffield in the, in the semi, uh, so I wasn't too hopeful uh, to really see much anything much else from there to come back. But I was totally wrong. Uh, it was complete reversal again for that third period. Um, it doesn't leap prospects that Hook is accredited with the winning goal. Is that right or is that wrong? Uh, it came up on flash goals as Hook, but it was it was like I think. Like, I think Hook took the initial shot. It was saved uh, by Karouf, and then I don't know if it. I thought they were they were reviewing it because they wondered if it came off Lake Skate. And yeah. the, the commentators were all saying they wondered if it was goalie interference, but I thought it, they were looking for a kick. I think but, it was offside. Was it offside? They, they were looking, looking for. for. Oh, fair enough. All right, but yeah, uh, just a great game. You know, we you always love those close games, and especially ones that go to to overtime. Um, I'm really happy that they implemented. Uh, the rule of it being a, a continuous OT, 5 and 5 I, I think that really uh, gave it an, another element to that game. And it just really nice goals in, in, in that as a whole. And you know, just what a night for Belfast fans. I mean, obviously with it being St. Patrick's Day the day after. Uh, so that's two nights, two days of celebrating. Uh, so, yeah, it must have been fantastic for, um, um, for everyone in Belfast. To experience that, and uh, I remember Joe showing me uh, a photo of Besco a few days before uh, the Sheffield games and the state that he was in. Uh, so Joe, if you've got an updated picture showing us the state uh, that is in this time, I'm much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's got to be said as a neutral watching that game. Um, that was a great game to watch. If you're a Sheffield fan, it was horrendous to watch because we were the last ones lifting the cup, and it was. Uh, 
it was tough to watch two other teams being involved in that game. But um, a great game to watch as a neutral. I, like you guys have said, I completely discounted Belfast come the third period. And I was, I was, I'll hold my hands up. I was rooting for Belfast. I didn't want to see Cardiff lift it. Um, but I completely discounted them. And then all of a sudden, as soon as that first goal came, the lift on that team was just insane. And, uh, you know, it, it felt, for the rest of the period, it felt like a goal was coming. Um, I think they hit the post a couple of times and things like that. So, a great game. And it has to be said, if you're a Sheffield fan, best result. The best result for that Challenge Cup final was for it to go to overtime. Because what you wanted was for Belfast and Cardiff to be as knackered as possible for the games coming up at the weekend. Um, So, best result possible. Like you said, Gref, seeing Adam Key fall off the bench, get up going and uh, and carry on celebrating was uh, top form. But uh, no, outstanding game to watch. Outstanding game to watch. Um, unlucky to Cardiff. They did play a great game, like like you guys have said. They only had 4D, if you'd not realised. Um, but no, but in fairness, Belfast looked the dominant team in the first period until that first goal came in. Um, you know, and then it looked Sheff- oh, Sheffield, Cardiff looked to be the more dominant team in terms of their offence. Um, even when there were more shots going on goal for Belfast, you know, Cardiff looked to be getting the better scoring opportunities. Uh, and then, like I say, that goal went in for Belfast and it uh, it really changed the books again. Um, so, yeah, and the rest is history. And obviously, like you say, it wouldn't have uh, it wouldn't have been a game between Belfast and Cardiff in Belfast without the appearance of a Lenovo. Um, so great to see the laptop appear again. Would have been an interesting turnout of events if the uh, the goal had been disallowed um, after everybody had launched the gloves and sticks in the air and all jumped on to celebrate. Imagine the anticlimax that would have followed if then it was like, oh no, guys, actually, uh, you've got to carry on playing. Um, particularly after Adam Keith ended up <laughs> on his backside on the bench as well. Um, but no, great game to watch. Uh, great game for British hockey to be uh, to be on TV and uh, be available like that. If you're complaining that it's on Premier Sports, honestly, just just no, because. Uh, I read a few comments that they're, they're, they're saying that the Premier Sports deal will give better better exposure and it actually takes exposure away. Completely backwards theory. Um, yes, you have to pay for it, but if it wasn't for Premier, you won't be able to watch it. So, simple as that. But uh, but no, great game to watch, boys. Great game to watch. And uh, yeah, big congratulations to the Belfast Giants as well, of course. Um, any more for any more? I think the only thing that would have bettered the overtime call from Aaron Murphy is if Simon Kitchen had called it and given his dulcet tones and quiet voice. Um, that would have only bettered it. Can you imagine the outroar if um, if that had been called by Simon Kitchen? Oh, that have been great. Would have been spot on. Um, yeah, anything else, boys? Yeah. Right, so I'm going to throw it over to Andy for the next one because uh, he was the one that added it to the agenda and I have absolutely nothing on it. Uh, I believe it was to do with a deal between the NHL and the FPL. So I'll throw it over to you, Andy. Yeah, I, I just thought it's very interesting. It's, it's been a, a very good uh, few months for uh, women's hockey in general, uh, especially in the, in the North America. You've seen them uh, included in a lot of the outdoor game presentations and adverts and uh, Smoke exposure to them, which is fantastic. Um, and yeah, we've heard fresh rumours from the, from the NHL that a uh, sort of partnership with the uh, FPL, which is the uh, female. Uh, sorry, I had it one minute. 
female Premier League, sorry. Um, and basically, they were the NWHL before they rebranded. Uh, but there has been rumours uh, circulating uh, of them forming a partnership. And this comes in literally the same day um, as it was announced that in the Quebec Major Junior League, uh, that uh, Eve Gascon will uh, will play and make her debut as I believe one of the first women to play in the uh, Quebec Major Junior League uh, for the Olympique de Catino uh, on Saturday. So fantastic for her, and and this is a great moment for um, for for women in general in in, in sport. That is obviously uh, in terms of viewing figures and the whole money side dominated by the males. So it's fantastic to get to see um, these women get a chance like uh, Manon Rom did when she played at Tampa uh, a few years ago. So it's great to see. And obviously in terms of more domestically, we've seen uh, Samantha Bolwell has been given a chance uh, and playing for the Steel Dogs. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, it's just really good in general um, to see that the you know, females are getting a chance in... Um, in leagues across the world, so it's, it's just absolutely fantastic to see. Really fantastic. Boys, I mean, we've talked about it before. We've talked about the um, the improvement in the uh, the involvement of uh, the women's side of the hockey game. Do you know, even down to things like the women's side being included in in like EA Sports, NHL games. Um, it's great to see any step forward that you can see in that, um, you know, and uh, and this is a great step forward with the, obviously the top league taking that step. It's uh, it's huge, it's huge for the sport, and uh, we hope that you know we see a lot of improvement in that. We hope that there's a lot to follow as well. No, it's good for the profile. Um, you had the I mentioned but the the Canadian women's Olympic team uh, paraded uh, the Heritage Classic. Um, and just stuff, stuff like that where, you know, they, they get to share the same platform as the biggest league in the world. Um, I, I'm, you know, I, I think I speak for everybody. I'm all for it. You know, you see some of the, the top-level uh, women's games and they're as nearly as good as some of the uh, some of the men's games. It's uh, as skillful and as quick. So, yeah, good for them. I mean, this is going to hopefully bring forward the new generation. As well, they'd hope they're gonna see these type of players in the flesh and be like, "That's gonna be me in ten, fifteen years." Who knows? It'd be great for the sport. Yeah, hundred percent, boys. We, we, we've seen you know step ups in terms of in, in involving more of the women's game in the NHL. And, um, you know, the NHL is obviously the league that everybody looks to. Whether you watch it or not, it, it's the top flight league. And that's, you know, there's, there's no dispute about that. Or there's no dispute from us about that. Um, you know, a few years ago in the All-Star game, you see Kendall Coyne Schofield come in, uh, absolutely crush it in the fastest skater competition. Um, I think she ended up winning, didn't she? Um, in the fastest skater competition. This year... I um I can't remember the name of the um of the player that he got this year, uh, but they had another one in the Bellagio Fountain Challenge in the All Stars, and again she crushed it and beat 
a, a, quite a high number of the uh, the men's players from the NHL as well. Um, it goes to show that uh, you know it's the exposure that's lacking in that at the moment. It's great hockey to watch. It's, it's entertaining hockey to watch. It's just not got that platform at the moment, and I think that's the step that needs to happen is giving it that platform so it's more accessible. Because um, realistically, at this point, there's no reason why it isn't. I mean, you say about in terms of exposure, but kind of the, the other side of, of the game hockey, the, the production side, the, the TV side, you see more and more um, women involved in the production and, and you see them as the face of whoever's team and, and they're, they're um, showing the game on TV. I mean, there was, I think the last full season you had a full, I think it coincided with International Women's Day, you had a full production. Every single person on camera, in the studio, Everybody was was all female, um, so if they're not able to play the game, to be able to be involved in the game, against this exposure that we're now starting to say, I know um, Colorado have um, apologies, I don't can't remember her name, but I know the, the Islanders have a, a two or three women who were involved. I know New Jersey Devils have um, one or two, and you see them now more involved, and they're not there just because. They're women, this because they are good. They are good at their job. Uh, so that representation, that exposure, either side gives the new generation of girls that they want to be involved. If they can't skate, they'll be involved that way. But you're involved in the game. So yeah, the more the merrier, and long may it continue. Long may it continue. The name I was looking for was um, Jocelyn Lamoureux Davidson. Uh, yeah. I've just googled it. Um, but now, 100%. Abby Labar is another one that's um, that does a lot of a lot of commentary for. I think it's Carolina. That is that right? I'm looking at you, Andy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've got Shannon Hogan and AJ Maleska, um, who played for the USA in, in one of the Olympics. You have one of the girls, and she did part of the Islander stuff. Who was on Sports Sportsnet, uh, the old Hockey Night Canada. Jenny, I can't remember saying, but again, you see you see more and more, and they're not just there just. You know, some some people were you know not as not as forward thinking views like us. It's a tick box exercise. No, it's because they're good at what they do. It's because they're good enough. They deserve to be there. Jenny Bottrill. That's it. Thank you very much. And she, she did a stint on the Islanders as well, so I should remember the surname. But they're good. They, 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 and you can hear them. And, and if you're not watching the TV, you can like you take it into the game. The, the, the way they talk about the game, the way they break it down, the analysis and everything. And, and long may continue. You know, no matter what gender they are, they're good enough. Game for the camera if they you know if that's the bit they want to do. Long may it continue. Yeah, hundred percent, boys, hundred percent. Um, any more on this, gents? Nope. So I'm throwing it back to Andy. Fairness, we are. If you are on a long term, long time listener of the podcast, I know exactly what you'll be thinking right now, which is I've been listening to this for an hour and a half. How are we already at Stafford stats? But we are. Um, after a three-hour podcast last week. We're going strong, gents. So, uh, Andy, I'm going to throw it over to you, mate. Stafford Stats. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I've just sat to um, find which tab it's on, and it's on tab number 143. Uh, so, yep, I have got the uh, standings so far as of the 18th of March, as we're past midnight now. So, we have got, in first place, got Belfast Giants with 68 points. In second is Sheffield Steelers with 66 points. In third is Cardiff Devils with 61 points, uh, and all three of those teams have now qualified for the playoffs uh, for definite. In fourth is Nottingham with 45 points. In fifth is Dundee with 39 points. In sixth is Coventry with 38 points. 
In seventh is Glasgow with 38 points as well. And also with 38 points is Guildford Flames in eighth. And then in the, I almost call it relegation zone, but um, the non-playoff zone, I'll call it, is uh, Manchester Storm. The Manchester zone. The Manchester zone. In ninth with 33 points. Uh, behind them are the Five Flies in 10th with 29 points. Uh, and looking at the top scorers, no surprise really who's up there. We've got Scott Conway leading the pack with 62 points. In the second is JJ Picnic with 61 points. Uh, in third is Sheffield's Mark Olivier Valorand with 51 points. And then Cardiff's Brody Reed with 50 points. And then, of course, Mark Cooper with 48 points. In terms of goalies, Matt Carew still leads the way. Um, 93.93 save percentage, 2.07 against. In second, we have Jackson Whistle with 93.73 percentage. Uh, in third, another Belfast goalie, both up there, Tyler Beskarabani with 92.7. Uh, Sheffield's Rock Steinovitz, in re- with recent performances, uh, has got himself back up into fourth place, 92.66. And then in fifth, we've got CJ Mott with 91.67. Again, uh, we see this changing all the time. Um, there's a, a good proportion of the clubs that have got fantastic goalies this year. Uh, Belfast are pretty, pretty spoiled. Having Whistle and Beskarwani, uh, both can both can play fantastic games. Uh, you would not call one as a backup over the other. So having that tandem is essential for Belfast, and one is one of the reasons why. Uh, they are first in the league right now, uh, and that will give them a significant advantage uh, going into running, especially with Sheffield's Barry Brust out injured. Um, so, yeah, it's looking very tight at the top still, uh, and still to play for for a playoff place. Yeah, 100%. 100%. The, uh, the title contention is, uh, is really heating up right now, gents. So uh, it's making for very interesting watching, uh, unless you're a Belfast or Sheffield fan where it's... Uh, Nervy as anything, but um, yeah. Anything else on that, gents? Or we're going to move to predictions. It's been a very interesting um, exchange of words between. I've got the Penguins game on. Tristan Jarry's just fired the puck at the referee to try and make a pass up rink, and then when the whistle went, he's just gone absolutely mental at the referee for stopping the puck, and the referee was just pointing so aggressively at him because of it, because of it. Just there. Uh, we talk about the game management and interaction between players and referees in this league. I just thought it was quite funny to see it in the NHL. Um, is, that, is, is that a Salzburg fan when, when he got beer poured over him and just goes that face and that money? That was incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Um, gents, let's move to predictions then. We'll, we'll go to predictions. <laughs> we'll whisk past that. Um, Friday the 18th, we've got Manchester versus Coventry in Manchester. Coventry to win 5-2. Manchester to win 4-3 in overtime. Coventry 4-2. Uh, Coventry 5-3. Uh, Cardiff, Glasgow in Cardiff. Cardiff 4-1. Uh, Cardiff four, which is the amount of demon they have two. Um, Cardiff five two, which is one more than they have demon. Uh, 
Cardiff 5-1. And no Malcolm Cameron, so no entertaining post-game interview on that one. Um, Saturday night... How sad. I know. Terrible. Um, Saturday 19th, Guildford v Glasgow in Guildford. We'll find a way of doing this that isn't putting a G, because that's exactly what I'll do. Uh, Glasgow 23-1. Glasgow to win 2-1. Glasgow 4-3 in OT. Uh, I'm going to go Guildford to win 3-2 in regulation. Nottingham Sheffield in Nottingham. Sheffield to win 6-2. Sheffield to win 3-2. Sheffield 4-2. I went Andy on that one. Sheffield 4-2. Belfast-Dundee in Belfast. Interesting game. Is it Belfast or Dundee? Belfast. Uh, Belfast to win 4-2. Belfast to win 5-2. Belfast 6-3. Dundee 4-3 in overtime. Ooh, Ooh cat. Ooh, cat. Uh, five Cardiff in five. Cardiff to win 5-2. Cardiff to win 6-1. Cardiff 5-3. Cardiff 4-2 uh, Glasgow Nottingham in Glasgow on Sunday the 20th Glasgow to win 3-2 Nottingham 4-2 Referees 4-2 sorry Um. Nottingham 4-3 in overtime. Nottingham 5-4 in overtime. Um, Dundee Coventry in Dundee. Coventry to win 5-3. Dundee to win 3-1. Dundee 5-3. Dundee 4-2 Manchester Belfast in Manchester please Manchester Manchester 4-2 oh yeah Belfast 6-2 yeah, I would have said that as well but I'm going to say Belfast probably 6-3 Belfast 5-2 Fife, Sheffield in Fife. Sheffield to win 5-2. Sheffield to win 4-1. Uh, Fife, 4-3. Regulation? Yeah. Uh, Sheffield, 4-3 in reg. And then Tuesday the 22nd, the 
and that says Guildford. Guildford v five in Guildford. Guildford four one. Guildford three one. Guildford four one. Five four two. And uh, that is the end of the fixtures that I've got for the upcoming week, gents. Unless I've missed one. Looking at you guys. Nope. Sound. Uh, that's it, gents. That's it. We are sub two hours. So I think the phrase is quit while we're ahead. Um, so, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, any other business? I'll ask that question. Any other business? Apart from socials now? Apart from socials. At MFZ Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. And we've got the My Fancy Zamboni Podcast discussions group uh, on Facebook as well. Um, so yeah, tweet us your questions, messages your questions, post them on the discussions group. And if you're not in the discussions group, you should be able to join from the Facebook page directly. If not, drop us a message and we'll get you added. Anything else? Any more for any more? Speak now or forever hold your peace and all that rubbish. No? Sound. Right, gents. Well, Dave, thank you very much, sir. A nice uh, short podcast in comparison to last last time. Yeah. Not sure how I feel about that. Um, Particularly after a week off as well. It's a bit strange. Yeah. We've done well there, guys. Um, Thank you, Joe. Uh, Thank you. Jeff and Andy. Thanks to all those who are listening. Um, Yeah. I'd like to say, normally, if you get to this point, what on earth are you doing? But uh, for what a better phrase, we'll give you a reasonable length in terms of the podcast. So, no, enjoy it. Um, Hope you'll have to it as much as we have. Very, very true. Very mature. Um, Andy, thank you very much, sir. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Greff, as always. It's been a pleasure. Um, just want to give a massive shout out to um, everyone at home listening. Really, really appreciate everything. Uh, listening to us and everything. Uh, it means a lot to us. It's, it's past midnight. I'm, I'm Romeo done. Um, but yeah, what on earth was that? I don't know. Just thanks to everyone listening. Really appreciate it. Um, Ask me a big shout out to uh, G, Rasheen, Joe, uh, and, and everyone in the Belfast Amazing Time. was absolutely fantastic. Any more shout outs? Oh, yeah. Um, to Chris as well. Really nice to meet him. Any more? No. Sure. Do you, want, do you want us to give you five minutes to come up with any more? Ten. Ten. I can't give you ten, mate. That'll oh, over an hour. What a shame. <laughs> no, thank you very much, Andy, mate. Much appreciated. Pleasure as always. Uh, Gref, thank you very much, sir. Hope that Manchester can make it above the playoff line. So do I. <laughs> but thanks, Joe. Thanks to Dave. Thanks to Andy. I'd give a shout out to my mum, the cat, the <laughs> hockey gods. <laughs> I think Andy might have just spilled alcohol. <laughs> You're very welcome. Wrong podcast. Oh, but that's my keyboard ruined. Right. Um. <laughs> Not the first time. Nope. Oh, wow. <laughs> so immature. Childish. Wait. But thanks to anyone that's listening that are not at home or at home. Can't disagree. Can't. Yeah, when did Boris Johnson make it on the podcast? 
I mean, Andy's only thanking oh, people from home. Just got no, we ain't got my hand on Boris. I'll try to I tried and failed. I'm sorry. It's fine. Oh, I also want to give a shout out to the exploding dog. Thank you for listening. <laughs> so welcome to what we like to call the delusion hour on the deliriousness hour. Um, past that, way past that. <laughs> oh my god. Um, right, boys, I'm just going to call it there now. <laughs> if you've listened past this absolute shambles, congratulations. Um, gents, thank you very much. Thank you to everybody listening. Uh, another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. And if you're wondering, yes, the shop is open. <laughs>